Well, it's lovely to be with you all tonight. Um, tonight we are joining Paul in his second missionary journey, um, and we're thinking about being in step with the Spirit. Now, in the verses that, before those verses that we just read, um, Paul has just traveled to Lystra and collected young Timothy to join uh, Paul and Silas and probably a few others um, in their travels and their mission, both strengthening the churches from within and sharing the good news with unbelievers. And then all of a sudden, there is this pause. They've been going and going and going. They've had highs, lows, ups, downs. And now there is this pause. They want to turn southwest and preach the word in Asia. But verse 6 says that the Holy Spirit keeps them from going there. Whether through means of logistics or conscience or supernatural means, uh, we're not told. And so when that doesn't work, uh, they change their minds and... um, change plans completely and turn northwest up to Bithynia. But we're, uh, we're told that the Spirit of the Lord intervenes again directly to prevent them from entering the, uh, that, that place. And so there is this pause. And it's a pause because God says no. Now, it's not something we talk about a whole lot these days, is it? I certainly spend a lot more time thinking and speaking about God's incredible yeses one of the most amazing verses in the whole Bible is 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I love that verse. And yet here in our passage tonight, and in many other passages in the Bible, we read of God saying no. So why might God say no? Well, the most obvious reason is that God might say no is because it's wrong. Something's wrong. In other words, God says no to sin. How do we know what what sin is? We know what sin is from what God has revealed to us in the Bible. God will never ask or allow you to act in a way that's contrary to the teaching found in the Bible. Okay, I realize this is a bit of a no-brainer. And from a detached, hypothetical standpoint, I guess it usually is. God does not want you to have an affair. God does not want you to fiddle your taxes. God does not want you to hoard your money, exploit your employees, lie to your employer, gossip to your friends, or any other number of clearly prohibited things in Scripture. But detached, hypothetical standpoints are not what real life is made of. And in real life, sin can be slippery and seductive and easier to slip into than we ever might imagine from outside the situation. The evil one tells us that we may be doing this one little thing, but it isn't as bad as that big thing. Or we think we'll only do this once for a really good reason, and then we won't do it again. Or we just get so caught up in the immediate pressure or pleasure of the situation and we do something that in a different situation we would never dream of doing and God says no because it's wrong now I'm not standing up here trying to put a big guilt trip on you guilt is just another ploy of the evil one to keep us further bound to the sin uh, that we are originally feeling guilty about 
My point is rather that knowing that sin is not always as black and white as we'd like it to be. Um, it's, the point is that we should probably be spending more time preparing ourselves to stand firmly against it in our everyday lives. Spending time reading God's word and praying for his wisdom and guidance is a big part of this. If we're reading the story of God's love for his people and absorbing the choices and behaviors and ways of being that please him, then we are more likely to make godly choices and live in godly ways. Fellowship is also a really big part of this. Home groups are brilliant places to share our life situations and get perspective about what's right and what's wrong and how to keep ourselves from making those same decisions over and over. But prayer partners, prayer triplets, accountability group, or any other intentional Christian fellowship where we can be vulnerable and honest with each other can equip us to stand firm in the fight against sin. So God says no when it's wrong, but God also says no when it's not right. Now that might seem like a very small distinction to you, Um, but there are definitely times in life when we have uh, a choice or a host of choices before us in which none, or at least most, aren't wrong. Go to university, start an apprenticeship, persevere and grow in our current job, or make a career change. Put yourself forward for ministry in church or put your energy into building relationships with your colleagues and your neighbors. None of these things are wrong. In Paul's case, Asia wasn't a wrong place to go, I don't think. Bithynia wasn't a wrong place to go. And if they'd gone ahead and gone anyway, ignored that prompting of the Spirit or really pushed ahead, there would probably still have been good things that came out of the trip. And God would still have blessed their ministry and their service. But it probably wouldn't have been all that God had for them. It probably wouldn't have been God's best. This is such a hard thing to get right, I think. In our personal life and our corporate life together as a church, I think we can spend all this time and effort and worry holding on really tightly to good things. And they're not wrong. But if we're holding on so tightly to the good, if we keep trying to get into Asia or Bithynia, then we might just be missing the opportunity to open our hands to God's best. So God says no when it's wrong. God says no when it's not right. But God also says no because, well, sometimes we don't know why. Have you ever noticed that Christians aren't great at telling stories that don't have happy endings? Now, don't get me wrong, I love testimonies. And in fact, we're going to have a time tonight to share testimonies. And the amazing encouragement of a a story um, of how God has worked and healed and resolved situations. But there are other kind of stories that we don't hear all that often. When I was a teenager, my dad lost his job. And for quite a few years, it was a difficult 
painful, desperate time for our family. We came through it, and we could definitely acknowledge God's presence in it all. But there was never that light bulb moment afterwards when we thought, Oh, that's why God allowed that all to happen. There was never a moment when we thought, All that was worth it, because look where we are now. It can be tempting to gloss over those stories and add a bit of icing afterwards, particularly in a church context. But to do that, I think, is to not take the power of sin and brokenness seriously. There are things that happen in this broken, sinful world that are difficult, painful, and desperate. Period. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't use those things and redeem those things and bless us beyond those things, because amen and amen and amen he does. But not every story in the Christian life has a happy ending, or at least the everything is, everything is brilliant now kind of happy ending. Maybe we need more testimonies, like, I'm in this pit, And I can't see a way out, but God's here with me. Sometimes God doesn't act like we want him to. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes we don't know why. But you know what? God is bigger. God is big enough for those wise. And he's there with us in those wise. And praise the Lord, God doesn't always say no. Verses 9 to 10 say, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing up and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. After the pause, after the disappointment, after the no of Asia and Bithynia, God gives Paul an emphatic yes. He has a vision in the night of a man begging him to come over to Macedonia across the Aegean Sea. What I think I love most about this story is Paul's line of reasoning at the end, or maybe um, Luke's, who's writing it. After having this amazing vision, the group has a chat and eventually decide that they probably should go to Macedonia. It seems so obvious to us, doesn't it? God works in this incredible way, and it seems to us like there shouldn't even be this discussion. It should be just obvious what they they should be doing. But how often does it look like this in our lives? I'm not saying that we've all had visions, although I'm sure some of us have, and maybe we should be praying for more. But I'm quite sure that most of us have seen God, God's powerful work through circumstances, timing, opportunities, prayer, Bible study, any number of ways. And I'm sure that most of us have also had those times when we just haven't got it. When indecision or worry or what-ifs have kept us from going in the direction that God is calling us. When things that should have been crystal clear just still seem a bit murky. But perhaps from their experiences of having God's no, or perhaps from those healthy spiritual habits and hearts that we have already talked about, 
Paul and his friends are receptive to God's spirit. And together they decide that God is, is in fact calling them, giving them a big yes to go to Macedonia. Now there's a really interesting part of this story that actually takes place um, after the verses that we have tonight. And that's when Paul and his friends actually get to Macedonia. Paul's had this incredible supernatural vision of a man calling for help. In the next verses, Paul follows God's yes and arrives in, in um, I think it's Lystra, seeking a man to receive God's message. And he finds Lydia, a woman. Sometimes I think we have these ideas about callings and vocations and ministry, that there is this one thing, this one idea, this one way of doing or being or living that God gives us. And, we, and, and we're meant to stick to that. When I first started telling people that I was going to retrain as a midwife after being in, having been in full-time ordained ministry, some people just could not get their heads around it. One person even asked me if I thought I'd pro- I, must, I must have got it wrong when I originally felt called to be ordained. Now, I don't know if I got it wrong or got it right, but I can see the incredible ways that God has molded me, shaped me, prepared me, and blessed me through the winding route of my working life, and how he continues to use me in ways that I couldn't have predicted or planned with and without my collar. I think sometimes the things that we are most interested in pinning down or chasing after, our jobs, our homes, our families, that seem all-consuming and all-defining at that time, sometimes those are just the things that God uses along the way to get us where he's going. Sometimes the vision is different from the plan. And that's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. Being in step with the Spirit isn't about having the whole picture or the whole plan in advance. John 3, 8 says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's some sailors amongst us, so so I'll use a sailing analogy. Sometimes the wind changes. Sometimes we have to change our tack or let out the sheet or just surrender and turn on the engine in order to follow God's leading and calling. So what visions do you have? What is God's yes to you at the moment? And what is his no. What are the good things that you've clenched so tightly to that you're afraid to let go in case there isn't something better? What areas of your life do you need honesty and accountability? One of the things I really love about this story from Paul's life is that God spoke so powerfully to Paul while he was on the way. Something we've been thinking about a lot about lately here. God could have given Paul a map back when he was in Jerusalem of all the places he wanted to, he should go and all the people he should meet to maximize the impact of the gospel, reach the optimal number of people while keeping within the limited resources of the early church. 
But church isn't a business, and God certainly isn't a CEO. And it took Paul being on the way for him to be in step with the Spirit. And that's what he asks of us, too. It may be that we head in the direction of Asia, and then we try Bithynia, but that's all part of being on the way. And eventually, if we keep seeking God and trusting him, he'll get us to Macedonia. And the vision that may be, and the vision may be different from the plan. But that's okay. In fact, that's more than okay. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for those yeses that you give us. For all the ways that you do heal and resource and resolve things for us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to bear the nose. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us tonight. Lord, that you would improve our hearing all tonight, that hearing and listening to your spirit. And Lord, help us to take one more direction in the way you are leading. I pray this in your name. Amen.